All right. Yes, Jesus, we will follow you. What a great song. Well, hey, I am really um, joyful today to introduce to you um, our own. This is uh, my brother, Pat Webb. If you've never met my brother before, and uh, some of y'all probably didn't know. I didn't know you even had a brother, Corey. And uh, actually, actually, this is my brother in Jesus, Pat Webb, okay? So we're related in Jesus, but not by blood. And Pat and his lovely bride, Miss Carolyn, have been a part of our church family since last fall. And um, some really cool things about Pat, he is a church planter at heart. He planted a church in 1997, a church uh, called uh, The Crossing. And, and what year was that that you planted that church again? 1997. 1997, okay. 1990s, I was four. You were four, yeah. yeah that's, that's what I was thinking, brother. So, all right. He led it for 21 years, and uh, God did some really cool things there. And, uh, and now... Um, uh, Pat is actually a chaplain for Corporate Chaplains of America. He gets to share Jesus every day okay. through uh, people who work in convenience stores. Him and his wife serve on our dream team. They're also journey team leaders here. So let's just give our friend Pat just a big hand today for bringing us God's truth. Thank you, brother. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. <laughs> Paid him a lot of good money for that right there. What an honor it is for me to be here. It's a, it's a privilege. I was, uh, when Pastor Will asked me to do this about oh, several weeks ago, I started panicking back then. And so I've been doing it ever since. But when he asked me to do it, I said, you know, you're Pastor Will. Are you sure? You know, I've been, I've been not preaching for a while and I've been semi-retired. I got to use up my word quota. So I said, we could be here till three or four o'clock. So just keep that in mind. But he was gracious to ask, and I'm thrilled to do it. And I tell you, yeah, starting a church in 1997 was a, was a highlight. We enjoyed it when we did it. And uh, uh, I wouldn't, I don't know if I'd do it again, but uh, when we did it, it was fun, and we had a great time. It was a challenge, but at the same time, God blessed. He honored it, and uh, we got to see a lot of people come to know Christ, and that was the whole point of why we started it. And we started a very contemporary model, very... In, in that day and age, back when we did it in 97, we were the first, what we consider the full, first full contemporary style church. Most of them were liturgical or uh, very you know, conservative, but ours was very contemporary. We had much like this, and uh, we were just crazy. So uh, we enjoyed it, and uh, people always asked and wondered why we were doing that, you know, because they'd never seen that kind of model in the Metroplex, or at least in Grand Prairie where we were. So we got to share with them, but it was a blessing and we really enjoyed it. So again, thank you so much for allowing me, me to be here. And uh, I wouldn't be here without my wife. She's a, the joy of my life and she's the one that keeps me motivated, keeps me plugged in, keeps me going. And you're watching and you're looking at a man that walks in grace. And I mean, I'm walking in grace every day because of that lovely lady right there. So if you don't know her, you need to get to know her. Uh, She's a sweet lady. I love what Jorge had to say about football. Uh, he's wrong. Uh, you know, but, <laughs> you know, but, he, but it is true. They, they do kick the ball. We don't in American football. We throw it and catch it, you know, but they kick it. So I guess he's right. But at the same time, it's like uh, football. I'm a fan. I, I'm probably alienate you real quick here. I'm a cowboy fan. Today may not be tomorrow. Uh, <clears throat> depends on what they do, because that's the kind of fan I am. You know, I'm a fair weather. Yeah, they're losing. Matter of fact, when they got rid of Tom Landry, I'm going, oh, 
I'm off this bandwagon, so because Tom Landry was my bud, and you know we were we were that close right there, and uh, so I'm a fan of the Cowboys. But I got a nephew that's really funny. He's a, I love the I love the guy. He's a he, he's a cowboy follower, literally. I mean, the guy eats, sleeps, breathes cowboys. He goes out to Oxnard and goes to goes to their training camp. He's he is one of those guys that can tell you every. Uh, Every stat on every player, he can tell you who they're going to draft, who they're not going to draft. He, he does all the research. He does it. Jeff is his name. He is all in. I mean, he is sold out Cowboys. Don't bring up, go to his house. It's Cowboys everywhere, everywhere. And go to his house. It's just crazy Cowboy. Don't ever bring up another, don't, any New York Giants fans in here? Oh God, I hope not. Anyway, heart attack. But he is one of those guys that follows the Cowboys, literally follows them. Me, I'm going, hey, they winning this week? I don't, I don't know. I don't care. You know, if they start winning, you know, the 13 and three year they went, I thought, oh, yeah, I'll follow them. They lost. I'm going, hey, I'm out of here. They're done. Typical, you know, eight and eight seasons. I'm going, that's a fan. That's the kind of fan I am. And I'm just confessing that to you. I'm not a real fan of the Cowboys. I've like them. I followed them for a long time, but anyway. So what's the difference though between a fan and a follower? I just mentioned that, you know, Jeff is all in. He's sold in. He's bought in to everything. Fan just kind of, eh, whatever. But a fan basically is fair weather, you know? We're fair weather people. If I, if I like what's going on, I'll follow them. You know, I'll go to the game. But followers, man, they're faithful. They're there. They're in for thick or thin. Fans become disloyal at times. Uh, if they're not winning, I'll jump off the bandwagon and follow the Kansas City Chiefs because they're winning. My son lives in Kansas City, so I'll follow the Kansas City Chiefs. That's the kind of fan I am. But followers, they're devoted, man. They, think, they stick through it thick and thin. And that's just the uh, followers. Your fans are focused on themselves. It's all about, and am I feeling, do I feel like I want to walk? You know, it's, it's all about me. It's like, do I feel good? And followers are focused. They're focused on the team or on the person they're following. They are all in to that. They focus on that. What Jesus wants us to do today, and what I want to help us kind of focus in on, he says, I want to move you from my fan base to being a fully devoted follower of Christ. That's what it's about. So he, had, he wants his fans to move to being a follower. He asked, the, he asked his fans, come follow me. He wants followers, not fans. Churches are full of fans, admirers. Fans are enthusiastic admirers. Jesus wants a follower. He wants followers. Every disciple that Jesus ever called, he said, listen, come, follow me. That's what he said. He didn't give them a big story. He didn't give them anything. He said, just come follow me. Follow me. Matthew 9. So on the screen, look. As Jesus went from there, he saw a man named Matthew. Sitting at the tax collector's booth, follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. Now, Matthew was a crook, thief, not well-liked. Matter of fact, the Jewish people hated him. The Romans tolerated him because he was taking the tax money. But that's the only reason they liked Matthew, only reason, they tolerated him. The only friend Matthew had was a dog, and everybody hated dogs back then. But he didn't hesitate. He didn't hesitate. He got up 
and left. Because of that one invitation, because of that one invitation that Jesus said, come follow me, and because of his response to that invitation, he had the most radically changed lives in the Bible. Because of that one invitation. He got up and left. He left all the comfort. He left his wealth and security for poverty and uncertainty. He left, uh, he abandoned all the pleasures of the world uh, for the promise of heaven. A fan will weigh, a fan will weigh the cost and they'll look at the consequences. Followers like Matthew, they just get up and go, they follow. That's what followers do. So what's the, what does a Jesus follower look like? That's what I want to talk about a little bit. What, do, what does a follower look like? There's several, several ways you can follow or you can see it, but I chose about six. And I want you to look at these and follow on, take notes if you'd like to, but here's one thing. A follower spends time with Jesus. He spends time with Jesus. He hangs out with Jesus. Jesus and him are buds. They want to hang out. It's all about the relationship. The more time you spend with Christ, the more you're into that relationship, the more you become like him, the more you understand him. It's all about the relationship. The more you invest in that relationship, the more you become like him. So people, followers hang out. Followers want to be with Jesus. Fans show up for the game when it's convenient, and that's it. Fans will fit Jesus into their schedule. A follower will fit their schedule to meet what Jesus is doing. That's the difference. John 12, 26. If you want to be my disciples, follow me. You must be, he says, follow, you, uh, follower, you must come and follow me because my servants must what? Be where I am. It's kind of hard to follow somebody if you're not in their presence, isn't it? Kind of, kind of hard to follow anybody if you can't find them. You got to be where he is. Listen, following Jesus is a choice. It's a conscious choice that we make, not once, but every day of our life. We choose to get up in the morning. Am I going to follow Christ? I choose to do that. It's a conscious decision. And we're as close to Jesus as we choose to be. It's our choice. Don't blame it on anybody else. Don't blame it on your circumstances. Don't blame it on your husband or your wife. Listen, it's our choice. We're as close to Jesus as we choose to be. It takes commitment. Following Jesus takes a commitment. Commitment really is an action. It's taken that step. Matthew, when he stepped out of that tax collector box, he stepped out and began to follow. It's, there was an action. He committed and he stepped out to follow Jesus. It's much like when you're married. You have a commitment to your, your spouse. You have a commitment to your kids. You have a commitment to your job. You have a commitment to working out. You have a commitment going to the gym. You know what my workout is? Why are you laughing? Man, I resemble that remark. Come on, here, here's my workout schedule. I get my, I get my lawn chair, I head to Planet Fitness, I sit there, I get out my Diet Coke and a Snickers bar, and I watch all those people work out. Wow. Man, I tell you, I worked up a sweat just taking my Diet Coke in. No action. Oh, I was committed to going to the gym, but no action. Didn't lift up any weight, didn't get on the treadmill. I just watched them do it. See, that's not commitment. 
And that's what we do as Christians and as Christ followers, we'll look at everybody else's and what they're doing, but we've not committed to following. Spending time with Jesus takes commitment. It takes commitment because it's all about the relationship. My wife and I wouldn't have lasted these many years had we not been committed to the relationship. It's not about rules. It's not about some kind of formula. Jesus said, my servants must be where I am. How do we do that today? He's not here on this planet. He's not walking with us. So how do I be where he is? Prayer. You pray. You talk to him. Well, I don't know how to pray. I get that a lot. People, I don't know how to pray. Do you know how to talk to me? Are we having a conversation? Yeah. Well, talk to him the same way you talk to me. But you can go a little bit deeper with him. You can tell him that life sucks, then you die. You can tell him that. And he understands. You can tell him, man, I'm having a terrible day. I'm not kidding you. I just, I don't know what I'm going to do. And Jesus will listen to him and he understands. Prayer is just a conversation. It's not some magical thing we do. I have, I pray all the time in my car, going from one, one uh, stop on my round to one stop to the next. I don't close my eyes and bow my head. In San Antonio, sometimes I do. But you know, you don't do that. You just talk to him. It's a conversation. Bible study. Opening up the Bible. We have a journey team, and I haven't, uh, we, we've decided we want them to at least spend the first 10 minutes every morning just opening up their Bible, reading a scripture passage, and praying, asking God to bless their day. It doesn't have to be long. It starts with something. But that's how you're with him. Journey teams is a great way to be with, with God and in his presence because other people that we go, go through life with, some of the stuff we're going through, we think nobody else is going through it. Guess what? Get in a journey team, you'll find them. And they'll help you. Matter of fact, you can say, anybody been in that mess? Yeah, I've been there. Did you get out of it? Yeah, I got out. Let me show you how I did it. That's what journey teams do. That's what small groups do. Get in one of those. This, we're doing it here. We're in the presence of God. Do you realize that? The Bible says very plainly, where two or three are gathered in my name, he said, I'm in the midst of them. So now everybody's looking around. Is he here? Yeah, he's here. When you walked in through the presence of the Holy Spirit, you walked in, the Holy Spirit's here, he's here, Jesus is here. I kind of always taught my worship team to listen. Just kind of picture Jesus right there in the middle of the auditorium. There he is right there. And we're going to worship the audience of one. There he is. He's here. Because he promised to be here. So be where he is. Be there. But also a follower loves him above all others. A follower loves him above all others. Luke 14, 26. If anyone wants to be my follower, must love me far more than he does his own father, mother, Wife, children, brothers, sisters, yes, even more than his own life. Otherwise, he cannot be my disciples. Man, that's a radical statement. Man, that is, that is crazy. Are you telling me Jesus tells me I'm not supposed to love my wife? No, he's not saying that at all. Oh, darn. <laughs> Thought he would. No. Are you telling me that Jesus says I'm not supposed to love my kids? No, he says you're supposed to love your kids. Matter of fact, what he's saying here is your love for Jesus should be so intense so over-the-top intense in love with Jesus that all the other relationships, all your other ones, should pale in comparison to that one relationship. 
Matter of fact, what he's saying here is the closer, the more you fall in love with Jesus, the more you become like Jesus, the more you're going to love your wife, your husband, your kids, your job, your church. You're going to love all of those more because you're in love with Jesus and Jesus is going to love them through you. He teaches us how to love. The Bible very plain tells us God is love. It's not, he is love. Matter of fact, we call this worship. Loving Jesus so intensely is called worship. That comes from an Anglo-Saxon word called worth-ship. Do we show him his worth by how much we love him? How much we hang out with him? How do we show his worth? Let me, let me give it, I don't know if you've ever heard this before. Let me give it to you. You love Jesus by setting your mind's attention on him and your heart's affections upon him. All your mind's attentions goes to him. All your heart's affections go to him. And that's showing him his worth and that's worship. Do you love him? Because followers love him above all other else. Matter of fact, Mark chapter 12, it's not on the screen, but Mark chapter 12 tells us very plainly, the greatest commandment of this, that you love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. You love him with everything you've got. You're just totally into it. You're absorbed into loving Jesus with everything you've got. A follower loves Jesus more than anything and anyone else, which leads us to the third one. A follower loves the other followers. See, the greatest commandment is love God, yes, but the other part of that great commandment is love people. You gotta love people, love God and love people. Matter of fact, those two commandments sums up the Genesis to the maps, just totally sums it all up. Love God, love people. John 13, 35, if you have love for one another, then everybody will know that you are my disciple or you're my follower. They'll know that if you love one another. The evidence of a follower really is not a bumper sticker or a t-shirt. The evidence of a follower is those people that, that love the church and love those people in the church. Matter of fact, Paul says in Ephesians 5, it's not on the screen, but Ephesians 5, he says that the church is the bride of Christ. In another place, he says the church is the body of Christ. And I hear people all the time, I've been in the ministry for so many years, I've heard people tell me, I love the church, I love Jesus, I just don't like the church. I don't like the church. My response is always, you better get used to it, they're going to heaven with you. <laughs> and if you don't like them now, woo. But really, what they're really saying is, I love Jesus, I don't like the church. What they're saying is, I love Jesus, I just don't like his bride. I don't like her. I love Jesus, but you know the body? It's really ugly. And I go, yep, you're right. I've always told my people, and I said, listen, if you want to find the perfect church, don't join this one because you'll mess it up. <laughs> listen, we're a mess. We're all a mess. There's no, and it's ugly. The body of Christ is ugly. I will admit that. We are ugly. And at times it's very unlovely. But listen, if you're a Christ follower and you're following in love with Jesus, you're getting more in love with Jesus, then all of a sudden you can become, you can be, you'll start being able to love them more because he'll love those unlovely people through you. 
He loves the unlovely. I'm evidence of it. He loves the unlovely. People, listen, Christ followers love, they care, they help, they serve, they encourage, they pray for, and they support the family of God. That's what followers do, even when it's unlovely. So we hang with Jesus, we gotta be with Jesus, we gotta love him above all else, we gotta love the family, but number four, a follower does what Jesus tells him to do. Oh no, now you're all up in my grill, I'm not doing that one, no sir. He might ask me to go to Bangladesh and be a missionary. Well, he may, but a follower will say yeah. I love the song that we did right before I came out. I will follow you, you see? I love that, are we willing to follow? no matter what. Even when it doesn't make sense, even when it's unpopular, even when it gets, goes against culture, even when the cost is too high, the followers will obey what Jesus says. Fans bail out. They just leave. There's an old song we used to sing, I have decided to follow Jesus. If it gets too tough, I won't. That's what we do. Followers hang in there. Followers is like my Jeff buddy. Sticks it out. Followers follow. They obey. John 8, 31 says this. If you keep on obeying what I have said, you truly are my disciples. Now, don't get mad at me. Email, email God and let him talk to you. You know, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. I love how we love to use that quote. We use it in Hollywood. We use it in politics. We use it, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. But how do you know the truth and how do you know you're going to be set free? I think he just told us. If you keep on obeying what I have said, then the truth will set you free. You obey, the truth will set you free. Jesus is the truth. The word of God is the truth. And that's what sets us free. Not because somebody does a speech. Jesus is the truth. The word of God is the truth. We follow that. We obey that. Then we'll be set free. A lot of people know the Bible. I mean, we really do. People know the Bible, but we just don't live it. We get into the word. We just don't let the word get into us. We can quote verses all day long, but we'll still be judgmental. We'll still be unforgiving. We'll still act the same way. People can't tell the difference between us and the world and they wonder why we're still doing those things. And Knowledge is great, don't get me wrong. But knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. So the more knowledge you have, the more arrogant you become if you don't have love. Knowledge without love becomes arrogance. Do what the Bible says. We only believe the parts of the Bible that we do. Can I get an uh-huh on that one? See, we only, do the parts of the, we only believe the parts of the Bible that we actually do, that we practice. Let me ask you, anybody in the room today have a holding a grudge against somebody? How about you're unwilling to forgive somebody? You know, you don't know what he did to me, Pastor. I understand but are you unwilling to forgive him? 
do we still, do we always return good for evil? Or do we want to get revenge? A pastor moment, real quick. Do you tithe? See, the Bible is very clear. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Do you serve? Do you use your time, talents, and resources to advance the kingdom of God here through this local body? Do you tell other people about Jesus? All these, all these things I've just mentioned are all commandments in Scripture. Are we doing them? See, because we are really a follower is measured by their obedience to what Jesus says. A fan is really measured by how loud they sing. John 15, 7. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. Wow. See, that's a promise with a premise. In other words, the promise is you can ask whatever you want and he'll grant it. Here's the premise. If you remain in me, if you get so close to me, you get so intense with Jesus, you're loving him with all your heart, mind, soul, strength, you're doing everything he says, you're obeying his word, and his word is remaining in you, you're doing it, guess what? You can ask what you will, be granted. I know, but. I didn't see a but in that scripture verse, but you all may have. See, followers follow. That's what followers do. They follow. They develop habits to be more like Jesus. They have a process. They have a strategy. They're on a journey. And that's what they do. They plan that so they can be close to Jesus. Fans only hang out if they're winning. They're like me and the Cowboys. They, I'll hang out if they're winning. Fans like the tricks. That's what fans like. They like to see the tricks. They like to see the miracles. A follower do what he says. Number five, a follower serves unselfishly. They serve unselfishly. Mark 9, 35. If you want to be the most important person, you must take the last place and be a servant to everyone else. I love the disciples. They were clamoring. Who's going to be first? I want to sit next to him. I want to be there. He said, listen, <laughs> if you want to be the first, you got to be the last. Sorry. Another scripture verse I found, it says, listen, humble yourselves in the sight of God and he'll exalt you. Let God exalt you. Don't, don't do it yourself. Let God do it. That's the opposite of the world's values. The world tells you it's all about you. The world tells you, man, you deserve it. You deserve a break today. You get all you can, can all you get, and then sit on the can. That's what the world tells you to do. That's not, what the, that's not what the Bible says. That's not what God says. God says we need to honor people. We honor those people above us, below us, beside us. We honor all of them. We give, we serve. The happiest people on the planet are the givers. Do you realize that? The most miserable people you come in contact with are the misers. Now, don't turn and look at anybody, but... The root word of miserable, miser. 
If you're not giving away, if you're not giving, see, that's our DNA. That's our DNA. God says, I think somewhere in the Bible, John 3, 6, for God so loved the world, he what? Gave. See, our DNA is a giver because he's a giver. And that's what followers do. We give. We give it unselfishly. We serve unselfishly. We do things unselfishly. Fans, it's all about the privilege. It's all about the demands. It's all about I want my stuff. Matthew 16, 24, if anyone wants to be my disciple, he must deny himself. <sighs> I hate that verse. I wonder if we could just rip that thing out of the Bible. Can we do that? Let's all vote. Because that's the hardest thing I have to do is to deny myself. I struggle with that every day. I struggle with that in my life. I struggle with it uh, in all areas, to be quite honest with you. I go to the donut shop. I get a donut. I see a donut, I'm eating the donut. My, my, my sister, sweet lady, man, she makes me a cherry pie. I can't turn it down. She made it for me, so I eat the whole thing. Other areas of my life I just can't deny. I can't deny some of the pleasures of life. And those are the things I struggle with as a Christ follower every day. And I'm asked God, I ask him all the time, God, help me do that. Help me just to deny myself. I need to deny myself. The rest of that verse says, take up your cross and follow me. I think that's the key to denying is you got to learn how to die to self. You got to die to yourself. Oh man, I can't do that. Deny basically is just I'm checking my agenda at the door and I'm following his agenda. I sacrifice. Dying to myself is that Bible, that verse says, listen, take up your cross and follow me. A cross is just a symbol of death. It's a symbol of torture. It's not a pretty necklace we hang around our neck. It's a symbol of death, torture. And he says, listen, I want you to take up your cross and I want you to follow me. And a lot of the fans can't do that. And when he makes this statement, a lot of fans go, oh no, I'm not doing that. that you, you don't understand, man. That's a lot. A lot, of other, a lot of people came to Jesus and they say, I want to follow you. So we'll do this. And they couldn't. They just walked off. Nicodemus was one of the greatest theologians. I mean, he knew the first five books of the Mosaic Law by memory. And Jesus wanted him. He said, follow me. And Nicodemus, oh, he struggled with that. He said, oh. And Nicodemus was called the secret disciple. Because he couldn't follow Jesus. He just couldn't give up what he had. Couldn't deny himself. Followers are very unselfish. Followers serve. And I'll finish with this one. The follower tells people about Jesus. That's what followers do. They tell people about Jesus. Matthew 4.19 says this. Jesus called out to them, come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. He was telling the guy, he was walking along the shore of Galilee, and there we have Peter, I think James, John, and Andrew, they were fishing, they were throwing their nets out. He said, hey guys, come here, follow me. And they dropped their nets and followed him. I'll teach you how to be fishers of men. Listen, if you're not fishing, you're not following the bottom line, 
I came to know Jesus because someone told me about Jesus. And Jesus asked, just simply asked me to share, uh, pay it forward. Well, Pat, I don't know, man. You know, I have struggled telling my story. I have trouble telling people. I don't have the knowledge of the Bible like you do. I don't, you know, uh, you know what? There's a blind man in the scripture. Remember the story? He was healed. And the, and the religious people today said, hey, tell us about this Jesus. What did he do to you? I, know, I want to know all about it. And they, and they kept bugging him, just kept bugging him. And finally he just said, listen, I don't know. I was blind, but now I see. That was his story. What is your story? Hey, I was this way, but now I'm this way. I was destined to go to hell and spend eternity separated from God, but now I'm going, that's my story. You know, I don't have a drug to Jesus story. I really don't. I was raised in church, but I rebelled against church. Mom drugged me to church every day, and I said, oh, I hate that thing. I don't want to go. I don't want to ever go to church again. She said, okay, you know what? I turned 18. You know what she said? I don't know if Bernie even remembers this. She goes, I'm not ever asking you to go to church again. Matter of fact, I'm just turning you over to God. Oh, I know now that's the most dangerous thing anybody, any parent can do to their kid. Me, I look at that going, yeah, thank God I'm not ever going to church. I'm out of here. Two years, I'd never darken the door of the church. 1973, I was leading worship in a little church in, in Denver, Colorado, Sherwood Baptist Church. I'm leading worship, singing songs about Jesus. And uh, had no idea who I was singing to. That night I broke down on the altar, gave my heart to Jesus, age 23. And now look at me. <laughs> I'm still crazy. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just telling you, that's your story. Tell somebody your story. That's all Jesus ever asked. Didn't ask you to preach my message. Hey, if you, can't, if you can't tell him your story, hey, listen, I got this guy at church. He's really cool. He wears jeans and a T-shirt every now and then, and I just love him because he just, he just preaches. He just talks to us. He's really cool. You'll like him. He'll come. Bring him up here, and we'll do it for you. Invite him to church. Makes it easy. Followers tell other people about Jesus. Fans all they care about the tricks. That's all they care about. Are we winning today? Let me remind you, listen, following Jesus is a choice. It's a choice we make. It's a conscious choice. It's a choice you're going to make right now. It's not just happening once. It happens every day of your life. You're going to choose to follow him today. It's a choice. But also it's a commitment to follow. It takes an action. It means you have to get up and go. You have to change something. You have to do something to follow. Make that commitment to follow Christ. You have to do that. But also, it's all about the relationship. You know, it's not, you know I, I love the church, I really do, but you know what? Jesus said it's more about me and you than it is about anything else. I want a relationship with you. Pat, I want a relationship with you. I want to have an intimate relationship with you. Really. And that's all God wants. It's all about the relationship. Listen, if you've never experienced that relationship with Christ, you can't, it's very easy. Jesus did all the work for this relationship on the cross, every bit of it. The last words on the cross, he said, it's finished, nothing else can be done, I did it all. 
All you have to do is just admit that you're a sinner. Hey, listen, I messed up. I'm a screw up. I messed up bad. And I need you. I need a savior. You just need to admit it. Then you need to believe in your heart that Jesus is the one that can save you. Jesus is the one that died on the cross for you. He is also buried and three days later came out of the graves to set you free. And that one day you'll spend eternity with him in heaven. That's what you have to believe in your heart. And then the last step is simply just commit your life to him. Much like you just committed yourself to that chair, just sat down. You didn't even think about it. You just sat. That's the kind of commitment you need to make to follow Christ. If you've never made that commitment, never done that, you can do that right now, right where you sit. You can ask Jesus into your heart. And that relationship will begin. Listen, you do that by not having it all figured out. You do that by simply saying, I'll do it the best I know how right now. And then let Jesus lead you through the hard questions. But that's where it starts. It starts with a relationship with Jesus. I pray you don't leave today until you settle that. If you've never asked Jesus into your heart, that care team's gonna be down here. I'll be here, Corey will be here, other staff members will be here. Some of your friends you're sitting with would love to talk to you about that. Listen, I wanna do what that guy said this morning. I I I wanna commit my life to Christ. Do it before you leave here today and your life will be forever impacted, much like Matthew's. Amen? Let's pray together, shall we? Father, I thank you so much for your love for us. I thank you that you care about every aspect of our life. I thank you, Lord, that you, you did everything so we could have a relationship with you. You did it all. We don't have to do anything else. We just have to commit our lives to you. That's it. And Father, we don't even have to have it all figured out. We just need to trust you enough to know that you're going to handle it for us. And so, Father, I pray for anybody in this room right now that if they've never accepted you, never given their heart to you, I pray right now in the name of Jesus, they will do that. They will just admit that they're a sinner. They'll believe in their heart that you love them and you died on a cross for them. And they will just commit what they know right now to serving you and following you. So God, would you bless them and encourage them today? And again, thank you for this opportunity to share the love of Jesus with people. What an honor and what a pleasure. In Jesus' name, amen.